This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's a common misconception that therapists have their shit together and all our relationships are perfect. Which is total bullshit. I'm Vanessa Bennett, licensed therapist. I'm John Kim, licensed therapist. And this is our story. You know how you know you love someone when they do something that could catch the house on fire um, but you think it's cute. Oh, God, what did I do? You left a bag of bread in its plastic wrapper, a loaf of bread, on top of the toaster. And you left, um, not today, just overall, you you leave the uh, uh, cl- cleaning towel, kitchen cleaning towel on the burner of the stove. But if the, if the oven's not, or the toaster's not on, that's... I'm not going to do anything. Okay, I don't want to get into a fight. This is not. This is not about a. a, a um... You don't get to start by saying the things that I do that almost catch the house on fire, and then don't. Let well, me I have. Well, that's not the point. Come the, back. Well, the point is, I see these things like. So look, we could argue all day and, and subjective whether you think it's it's a hazard or not. So one person can say, yeah, it's not on. The other person can say, well. A pilot light could catch the whole house on fire, right? So that's not the point. The point is, I see the loaf of bread on in the plastic bag on top of the toaster. I see possible fire hazards, and I, instead of getting angry or frustrated, I just think they're cute, and that's how you know you love someone. Now you have a similar story with coffee beans and a different uh, X, and you know, because there was a lot of tension there that was not so cute. Hmm. What do I do where, where you, if you did not love me or was very angry, resentful toward me, you would be like, I can't do this anymore. But because you do love me, you're like, oh, that's kind of cute. <laughs> I don't know if I want to have this conversation <laughs> It's well. You, I, I talked about the voodoo hair dolls that you make in the shower and stick them on the wall. Remember? So that would be another one, right? So what? What would be? Because I just said three. I think it's fair that you say a few. Yeah, but I think the difference is that 
you think it's cute. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. Like as the codependent in the relationship that usually walks around with annoyances because that's how I'm wired, not because of anything to do with you. I take that um, into consideration. That's why I don't, that's why I, I won't, I won't take it that personally. And also it, it's not that, I mean, yes, I think it's cute, but it doesn't bother me. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, if, if I had resentment toward you um, and, 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 and we had a lot of problems in our relationship, those little things would be put under a microscope and they would really, they would turn into fights. Mm-hmm. So what do I do that you're like, it doesn't bother me that much, but mm-hmm. it would totally bother me if you weren't growing or if um, you were mad at me. You leave your socks in piles all around the house. That's true. I take responsibility. <laughs> they're usually um, they're usually together though. So it's not one sock here, one sock there. It's, <laughs> it's, it, I didn't realize that that was what made a difference. Of okay. course it makes a difference because okay. they're, they're, they're paired up together. So okay. at least, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it would be horrible if you saw one sock on the floor and one sock hanging on the ceiling fan. So these socks are thrown on the floor, but they are together. Mm-hmm. Um, and you put your bare feet on the coffee oh, table. Right, 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 right. And scratch them back and forth consistently okay. enough where stuff comes off the bottom of your feet because you're walking around barefoot and then you leave it there. Would you rather, time. would you, okay, you know, I, I don't want to be defensive because that's not the point. But anyway, would you rather me scrape it off? Like, would you rather me take my arm and dust it off? Yes. So it's on, yes. oh, you would. Okay. That, that's good to know. I didn't know that. I thought, I left it there because I um, tell myself later I'm going to go and clean it up but instead of putting it in the carpet. Okay, I get it. What else? Another, another one. You get one um, more. Oh, man. I don't know. I have to think about it, which is a good thing, I guess. Yeah, and also, you know, these are things that um, now I, I will be more um, aware of because they weren't big enough for you to mention, right? And mm-hmm. so... Um, you probably would never mention it because they don't like annoy the shit out of you, but they're kind of, you know, like, eh, you know, I wish you would pick up his socks or not put his front table. So now I could at least be aware of that and then make an intention to. Well, I think also it's important to, for me to challenge myself to say something, even when it doesn't feel important enough to say something, because my categorization of what is worthy of talking about is usually, um, yeah, when things are about done. When I'm about to explode. Right, right. Right. And so it's actually better for me that I, this is the thing. This is, and it's not just me. I hear this from clients all the time too. So if the idea is you need to speak up, especially as somebody who struggles with codependency and people pleasing and not rocking the boat, which means I don't speak up about anything. So if the exercise is to speak up no matter what, how do I then not nag? Like, how do I know then that if I'm putting words to everything that bothers me, because that's my kind of growing edge, my work, then I don't want to be a nag. And I, and I struggle with that too. You know, I, well, I work it, with clients on it and I struggle with it. Sure. It's also how you say it too. You know, if you're like, if you assassinate my character and call me a child because my socks are out of the floor, that's very different than saying, um, or like, I, I mean, I guess, I don't know what's appropriate, but maybe jokingly, you know. And I think you yeah. have already, you said jokingly, like, oh, that's gross or, you, you know, whatever. Uh, and so I kind of get the hint. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is I'm on the other extreme. And I think I've been better at this, especially in this relationship. I'm usually the person that says so much. There are things that don't need to be said. You know what I'm saying? I, 
I don't know. I don't think I verbally vomit, but I talk about everything. And so in this relationship, I've been more mindful of if something bothers me, you know, give it a day. Like maybe it won't bother you tomorrow. And I think something happened recently where um, I forgot what it was, but I went into the backyard because I was thinking to myself, you know, maybe this doesn't need to be talked about. And then it backfired because you said, well, wait a minute, you tell me to express myself and you're not expressing yourself. What, what, what happened? I forget. I don't remember something I said. I think maybe I, I think I said something and the way that I said it, you felt like I was momming you. Yeah, I forget. Something happened. And I remember thinking to myself, normally the John Kim would instantly like put life on pause, you know, uh, call a house meeting, you know, we need to talk about this, blah, blah, blah. And I said to myself, you know, give it some time. Maybe it won't bother you as much in, you know, an hour or 20 minutes. So I took our daughter, uh, went in the backyard and I was just kind of like getting out of my head. And then I came in and I think I ended up talking about it. I don't remember it, but it ended up being, it didn't end up being a fight, but it ended up being a little bit of a fight. Well, but the reason why it ended up being a fight is because while I appreciate that you are trying to do better at um, what we actually dubbed in the beginning of our relationship, responsible communication. This was actually a term that you and I kind of came up with because I am the one that doesn't say anything. You're the one that says everything, right? And right, so it becomes right. like, what's the middle ground? So I, while I appreciate you trying to work on that, the unfortunate thing is that at least at this point in your attempt, you were being weird and yes. energetically you had, it was very clear to me energetically, again, codependent, I can read everyone's feelings, emotions, thoughts, moods, whatever. It was very clear to me that you were upset about something. So that to me then doesn't feel like I'm sitting with it to see if I should say something. Then I feel like I'm being punished. Right. But you know, what's interesting is if I'm giving away that mood and I know this sounds childish, I would rather you ask me what's wrong than go the other way and be like, oh, he's pouty. I'm going to, that's not my business. I'm, I'm going to be pouty too. Yeah. But then I get pissed. Like, I don't want to have to say, cause, cause when I, what I'm going to say is like, what's the fucking problem? What's wrong? It's not going to come out like, is, are, why, are you okay? Like, well, why does it? Why there's does not it, an empathy behind it. But why can't it come from kindness? Why can't it come from curiosity? Because I feel like I'm being punished, and so my I'm going to retaliate to that. It, it feels like it feels like you're trying to punish me when when your energy does that, and so I'm, that doesn't not, that though. doesn't. I get that, but when somebody, I, I like to call it like withholding affection as a form of punishment, which I've I've experienced many many times in my life, my upbringing, my ex. So when somebody does that, it immediately triggers me into my like, fuck you avoidant. Right. Which it doesn't then, make me want to like reach out and take care of you. It makes me want to tell you to go fuck yourself. Yeah. So what's interesting about our relationship is we're very, we're, it's very easy for us to flip our magnets. I just realized that if we weren't, and you know, we've said this before, if, we're, if we weren't um, on a path of growing and if we weren't, you know, um, in our, you know, uh, mid thirties, well, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not in my mid thirties. telling yourself that. <laughs> well, you're also not in your mid thirties, are you? Yes, I am. Yes, I am still. You have tipped just by one year, just I by one year. I've not tipped. <laughs> okay. So if we weren't here at our, you know, where we are in our lives, um, we couldn't have, we couldn't do this because we would, what would happen is our magnets would flip and we wouldn't flip them back. Yeah. So, um, you, being annoyed, um, I don't want to save you, whatever, fuck you, 
and then me saying, well, then fuck you. And then, and then we just, mm-hmm. we, we wouldn't come back. So, well, that basically um, happened in my last relationship. <laughs> I got, I got sick of trying to reach out and, and emotionally caretake because I did that most of my childhood. And so at some point I stopped doing that and instead started saying like, well, fuck off then. Like, if you want to talk to me, you can talk to me. And then, so then he said, fuck off then too. And then we just basically lived in that space whenever we were upset with each other. You know, what I just realized, um, I just had this revelation. You know why this relationship is so uh I wouldn't say so hard, but it's it's there's a layer layer of difficulty in this relationship for me because I think I've been enabled. Like um I know that this is the most healthiest relationship I've been in, right? But just because something is healthy doesn't mean it mean it's easy. No, probably quite the opposite, actually. Right. And I just realized that in my other relationships if if I was pouty, I was enabled in that she would um, ask me what's wrong, would baby me, would you know come to the rescue, um, and then that would encourage me uh, being pouty. Does that make sense? 100%. And then and then if and then so in this because I'm used to that for so many years uh, in various relationships. Now that I'm I'm kind of defaulting to my pattern of being being pouty or or showing that you know some, something has hurt me or whatever it is and you feel it, and because you're not coming to the rescue, that makes me angry because that's not how how um, I've been treated in the past. Mm-hmm. Now it doesn't mean that how I was treated in the past was healthy. That's not what I'm saying. You know that. Yeah. Well, and I think that it doesn't like it's not that surprising to me to hear you say that because as you and I have discussed before. And as you told me on our very first date, the Al-Anon girls love you, which on our first date, I was like, oh, well, that's me. I'm also an Al-Anon girl. Um, and but, so- but Yes and no. I, th- I think you are, but also you're not in a way. Well, I'm not because I've done so much work around it. But if you're an Al-Anon girl or a guy or whatever, um, and you're living and functioning in that uh, label that title. And for those of you guys who don't know, codependency, Al-Anon, uh, it's like the AA for codependence. Um, if you're functioning in that space, you're going to enable. It's what you do. I should have going said, to emotionally caretake. It's what you do. Right. And I should have said, um, the new to Al-Anon girls love me. <laughs> you're, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're, you're the girl that's on the way out of Al-Anon. <laughs> uh, I, I, I usually date women who are coming into Al-Anon. Yeah, no, but I think that's a I think that's actually a very powerful revelation. And I I would be curious to see. Um, I guess it's like the question I have a question for you, and then I have a question for myself coming out of that revelation. So the question for you is now that you've had that revelation, um, can you pay attention to or notice when you've started to, like you said, pout, that's your word, um, pout. You know, to me, it feels like pulling in, being weird, like I'm being punished. Um, and can you notice when you're doing that and then say to yourself, like, I'm doing that thing. I need to put words to it, right? I need to say something. And then I guess the question to myself would be my... Well, let me answer, my, let, let me answer that, yeah, no? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Can you ask it again? When you feel yourself pouting. When you feel yourself pulling inward um, and what it feels like to me is like you're emotionally punishing me because then it's like eggshells. Can you notice when you're in that space and stop yourself 
and instead speak up and say, you know, something that was said bothered me, even if you don't want to actually talk it through in that moment, because that's how I am. Can you say something like, hey, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm being weird, but something that happened earlier upset me and I'm just trying to like work through it. For a small fee, I can do that. Mm. Small fee. <laughs> yes. Small fee of me not, of us not breaking up. <laughs> um, I take cash. I take- um, Take Venmo. Venmo. I take <laughs> uh, sexual favors. I take massages. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's obviously the work, right? That That is uh, the space where the road forks. That is either um, me- because what's the point of revelations if you don't do anything about them? You could right. have revelations all day, but if you don't do anything about them, there's no growth. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so that would be my homework is next time you hurt my feelings or say something or do something that bothers me, um, instead of releasing that energy or, or you know, um, doing something where you start to feel like I'm punishing you, um, to be responsible for that. Yeah. So uh, part of being responsible is to communicate with you and saying, hey, you know, we don't have to talk about it now, but, mm -hmm. you know, whatever you did hurt me or, or... yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of like the idea of, of use it, of it being a balance between the work that you were previously doing, which is trying to say like, okay, I need to sit with this. Like, you know, is part of this mine. Is all of this hers? Like, does everything need to be said? Right? Like that was already work that you were kind of doing, yeah. but now balancing it with this new revelation, which is also like, it doesn't have to go from one extreme to the other, where right. then you don't say anything, you pout and whatever. Right. So can it be something like, you know, I'm sorry, maybe I'm acting a little weird right now, but like, I'm just going over something in my head. Maybe we can talk later. Yeah. Cause to me, that would at least, it lets the air out of the balloon enough where then it doesn't feel like eggshells and it doesn't piss me off where I think to myself, he's doing this thing again, fuck him. I'm not going to ask him what's wrong. Well, that completely, well, that completely, right. And that's, and so then, so then it becomes a pissy contest and we both mm -hmm. have horns. So that, then it's like, all right, well, I don't need you. And then you're like, I don't need you. And then, okay, well, that's usually, um, I think for us, that's the dangerous space and there's mm -hmm. less of it now three years in. Yeah. Um, but that's the, the reactive space. So what's the question that you, you would ask yourself? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Forgotten. Um, I think I would just ask myself, 
Well, if you don't have that question, then I'm doing, I'm the only one with homework. <laughs> well, I mean, you're the one that had the revelation. <laughs> so maybe it is. Well, the revelation is our, re well, it is my revelation, <laughs> it's your but, revelation, but that shit ripples. That shouldn't just be, okay, well. Well, here's the thing. I think that actually, even if it comes across as kind of harsh, I'm giving myself actually a bit of a pat on the back for the fact that Oh, you're speaking up. You're saying you do you here's what I want you to change. Well, yeah, and I'm also giving myself in the pat in the back that I'm not emotionally rescuing and caretaking. Because I have spent a lifetime doing that. I've spent a lifetime being the emotional enabler. And when my partner or when my parent or somebody is upset trying to smooth it over and make it better and like dancing and singing and entertaining and doing whatever the hell I need to do and bending over backwards to make you better. Dancing. And I've never I'm, seen you dance for me. And I'm not doing that anymore. Right. So I think, and I've also noticed this too, I've experienced this with other clients. I think when something is new, we do tend to swing the other way. I think that's well, very normal. You're not doing it, but but I feel like you're not do, you're swinging way too much on the other way. Well, that's what like, I just like, said. So yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. when you first start doing it, any new behavior, in my experience personally and my experience working with clients, whenever we try to course correct a behavior that we know is unhealthy, so many times we end up swinging to the other extreme. Also not healthy, but important in feeling into what the other extreme feels like so that we can then say, okay, ooh, I don't like that either. Now, how do I back myself into the middle? Yeah. You know? Do you think that um, this whole like caretaker enabling, uh, you know, what I'm used to, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, uh, the early Al-Anon, that kind of stuff. Um, and then also me having addiction in my blood, being used to extremes. Do you think all of this ripples into uh, when we first met in the beginning? I was, you know, I, was, I kept saying that I would like for you to be more lovey-dovey. Remember, like that was kind of the word. Yeah. Do you think that this also um, ripples into that, and maybe it it it, mm -hmm. it it explains? I mean, I think it's a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're talking about if someone's bothered you rescuing, but also, you know, uh, when it comes to um, intimacy and stuff like that, there's also this dynamic where if you're used to getting enabled, um, it's not like it's not like in my relationships that anyone put me on a pedestal, it was more of the underlying dynamic of um, addiction al -Anon, I would say, mm -hmm. of caretaking of that codependency, where um, I I define love by how affectionate and lovey-dovey someone was to me. And it didn't have to do necessarily with sex. I'm just saying, um, you know, constantly on me, holding me, touching me, like that kind of – and there's there's almost a, almost like a high school immaturity layer to it too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because I, I was just having this conversation with Danae, I think yesterday maybe, where we were talking about – and I don't want to genderize this – but there, I do actually think that there is a layer of how we socialize our boys growing up and how we raise them growing up. Um, and I do think in my experience of working with a lot of women who struggle with similar things with the men in their life, like obviously we're talking you know, heteronormative right now, but um, there is this... Um, how do I explain this? Like there's this expectation that boys are raised with that they will be emotionally taken care of. 
And there is a there is an expectation that girls are raised with that they will be the ones to emotionally caretake. Sure. And so I have in many different relationships, personally and otherwise, seen this also manifest into different things, whether it's in the bedroom, right? Right. Whether it's in the overfunctioner, underfunctioner dynamic, whether it's in this kind of coda, I'll say compulsive behavior. I don't even think it has to be addiction. I would say codependent compulsive behaviors um, or dynamic rather. Um, and I do think in the, the gender thing and how we kind of raise the girls and boys in our society also is another layer on top of that. One thing that I'm learning about love and relationships is that, and this does not sound sexy at all uh, or romantic, but relationships are a, they're a true partnership. Mm. You know, whenever I hear the word partnership, I'm like, oh, that's so boring. It sounds like a negotiation. Um, you know, where's the the fire? Where's the, you know, the love and all that. Um, but what we're talking about is a partnership. We're not talking about um, the feeling of love because the feeling of love, um, that can come from a, an unhealthy place, you know, what I call the sticky. And I think um with this especially with a child now and, and a mortgage and and you know working out of our house and schedules i mean we, we are uh this is the most um partnership relationship i've ever been in you know yeah, yeah i mean i agree and i think what's interesting about that is that for me part of it um part of that dynamic is actually love for me like like, um, you know, I think I've said to you before, like this feeling of like safety and security and not, um, it's not like monotony, but it's like, it's like consistency and in a non-monotonous way that actually makes me feel more love because it makes me feel safer. And I think that you have always struggled with that because for yeah. you, it's the opposite. You yeah. like the kind of like, um, there's a little bit of drama to that. It's like, you like the kind of like fiery passion you know, um, I, spontaneity. I, I, you're absolutely right. And this is, I don't know um, what the answer is, but this is also one of the big things early on that, that I made me feel like, I, you know, I don't know if this is going to work is so you like that consistency, which is actually makes complete sense. That kind of safety. Um, what I feel safety in, or what I, what makes me feel like loved is like, you being all over me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whether it's verbal, physical, um, um, I mean, not, I mean, I'm not like, let's not say like a high school, but um, just being all over me, whether it's through words, communication. And I don't know if that is something that I'm used to and, and I should kind of, you know, grow out of, or I don't know if that is just okay. Like, I don't know if that is kind of a love language and it's okay to want that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I have found too, and I, and I'm sure I'm speaking for a lot of people in this because the pandemic has been as we've seen in the like insane explosion of divorces, like worldwide, the pandemic has been really hard on relationships, right? And what I've noticed is as somebody who I consider myself very extroverted, um, it's weird. Like part of me has really enjoyed and loved like being home, especially like we have a new house and it's very cozy and we've just been like making it our home and all these things. So part of me is like, I love the fact that I don't have to get out of sweatpants and see people like ever, <laughs> which is weird for me. Um, and the other part of me is actually, and it's very recent, has really been struggling with this feeling of first off, like I really need more social time, right? Which like, you know about me, it does fill yeah. me up. 
And also there's a part of me that thinks like, I want to miss you. And I'm realizing how important that actually is in relationships. Like, you know, I'm used to having a full-time job out of the house. Um, I'm used to, you know, going to New York for a month every year um, by myself, right? Like doing these things by myself. Like I've always traveled alone. I've always been very independent, even while in relationship. Um, and, and again, pandemic talking now, uh, that's not the case for a lot of people, us too. And it's not a personal thing towards you. I think I'm just realizing more about myself and how much like, the reason why I thought of this is when you said this idea of being all over you, I thought, I wonder if I had more time away from you. And again, I hate that. Like it makes me yeah. sound, you know, like I'm not saying it personally, if that would actually give you then more of what you need, which is me being more all over you. Yeah, but being all over me day to day consistently, not if you're gone for three months, then of course there's of course when you when you miss someone you've been away for a while, you're gonna have that, you know, two weeks of honeymoon when you get back because you haven't seen the person. Yeah. Um, but and also when when I say all over me, I don't mean it in I mean, I'm exaggerating. I don't mean it in words like suffocating and you know, you you're 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 always on on me. I don't mean it in that way. Um, but I think that's what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. And so um, because we, you know, have different, slightly different love languages, and we are wired different. And also because uh, this relationship is, uh, I don't want to say this relationship is healthy, because I mean, you know, the, the, every relationship, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? Right. But uh, <laughs> yeah. because we're older, because we're, you know, we're, we're, we're uh, able to, to work on ourselves and, and see things, uh, look underneath the rock, all that stuff. Um, I don't know if it's like, my whole thing is, if you want someone to be more uh, affectionate or all over you or whatever, is that something that you should ask for? Or it's it, maybe it's coming from an unhealthy enabling place that you're used to. And because that's um, not in this, you should actually lean into this because it's probably more healthy. It's probably more healthy for you to not be quote unquote all over me. Right. So I don't know. Uh, yeah. uh, some, some days I go one way, some days I go the other. Um, well, what's interesting too, is as you're saying that what's, what I'm thinking is because we also have the kind of avoidant anxious dynamic going on between us. Right. I'm anxious you're avoidant. Right. When, when you, and, and, and because I have the codependent, like over empathy, I can kind of sense where you're at emotionally when you're in a place where it doesn't feel to me like you are expecting or needing me. I'm more likely to actually be all of course. Over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's not, that, that's just in general, a life rule. I mean, if you, if you say demand someone to kiss you, the chances of them kissing you drops significantly as mm-hmm. opposed to if you just be yourself and it comes naturally, of course. And that, that's the other thing is like, I can't ask for that because I wouldn't want it if I, if, if it didn't come from you, do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're like, okay, well, one of the things that John wants in this relationship is for me to be all over him. So I'm going to start doing that. It's going to ring false. It's not going to feel um, organic. And so I, I don't want that anyway. You know, it's like forcing yourself to, to have sex with someone because you feel like this is, this is what, you know, uh, you need to do. 
And well, I'll give you a yes and though, because the and I would say is like, there are certain things like, you know, we talk about our love languages being different that I actually do have to consciously remind myself to give yeah. you. Yeah, of course. Because I know that you need it and it is not easy or comfortable for me. So like words of affirmation, right? Like yeah. I could very easily go our entire lives without giving you words of affirmation because it doesn't come natural to me, but I know that you need it. And so I, I consciously remind myself to do it. So there are instances where I do think you have to like, you know, step up and do the thing. Um, do you think I have nice feet? <laughs> Why are you on your feet lately? I saw you wrote that on your Instagram too. <laughs> it's the only thing I like about myself is my feet. Oh, don't say that. I love your feet. But that's um, yeah. And also, yeah, the same with me, knowing that you like acts of service, I make a, an effort. Um, I would probably now with you, you know, go get the car washed or do something that's gonna make your life easier than write you something. Mm -hmm. Well, and what's interesting about that is that going back to the thing we were talking about in the beginning, where you're set where you said, what are some things about me that like, you know, don't feel like they're big enough or whatever to say. Um, I think that because this is a bit of a revelation for me, actually, I think because you go, I would say out of your way to make sure that you're doing acts of service and whether that's like bringing me a coffee, whether that's like picking up food, um, you know, like taking Logan and trying to let me sleep, whatever it is, those little things that maybe in past relationships would have set me over the edge. I'm less likely to do that because I do feel filled up like my love cup is filled up. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Well, guys, um, we are proof that uh, relationships are a dance. You know, I see relationships and love kind of like um, an equalizer where you have to constantly, mm -hmm. you know, play with the bass, the treble. And as you know, as you get old and your ears uh, get all fucked up, you, you're constantly <laughs> fixing the equalizer for the pitch and the sound to work for you. And I think because we're always changing. Mm -hmm. um, love is never the same. And this is why I think it's so dangerous. And I fall into this all the time, comparing um, your new love to your old love, because it's not a fair comparison, because you were different then. Mm -hmm. So that whole equalizer, the bass, the treble, the it's all going to be on set on different dials, you know, yeah. it's like um, four donuts for me would make me sick. Um, 10 years ago, I could inhale a dozen not a dozen, mm -hmm. but maybe six, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so we are changing and our, what I call our love buds change like our taste buds. Um, and we have to adapt and, and, and that's only us. Then, then we also, uh, whoever you're with, that person is completely different, has a different story and wiring than who you were with before. Mm -hmm. So it's just such a different, um, every love relationship experience is different. And so, um, there's always a dance, you know? Yeah. And can you, I think it's important to ask too, like, can you continue to have these kind of dialogues, these kind of conversations, checking back in with each other, not expecting you or that person to be exactly who they were even a week ago? Can you be, can you be open to being like, can you be open to change? Can you be open to being like flexible? Yeah, it's hard. You know, um, I think we all place expectations. That's one of the things yeah. I struggle with is I expect things from you. And then if you don't give me those things, they're very subtle, then I get I get little splinters of disappointment, you know, mm -hmm. and you I'm sure the same on your side. So um, owning that and not putting expectations, uh, that's very hard to do. I think it's a practice. Yeah. 
but you could expect my socks will no longer be on the floor and my feet will no longer be on the coffee table shedding skin. Oh God, gross. <laughs> and I could expect you will not put loaves of bread on the toaster and towels on the stove. Mm, I'll try. Maybe not. All right, guys, thank you for listening. Be well. Hey, before you go, if you want to engage with Vanessa or I live, we both teach in the TAT Lab. The TAT Lab is live virtual wellness classes, all using Zoom. These are not video courses. These are live groups and classes. A team of experts with um, lots of experience and also their own stories, teaching everything from healing trauma to uh, Vanessa teaches codependency. We have attachment styles, relationship classes. I do um, something called Ask Angry, and that is basically a giant check-in. We've got book clubs. We've got meditations. Come check us out at TAT-Lab. That's TAT-Lab.com. And uh, get a week for free and come say hi to uh, me and Vanessa. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 